Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Some of you guys are still a little, little worn out from the, the New Year's holiday. How many of you guys had a great New Year this, this, this past Wednesday? Everybody, everybody get a, like, anytime you can get a day off of work and on hump day, and, uh, you know, and then walk around and go, hump day, you know, it just makes it so much better. At least that's, that's what I prefer in life. So, hey, my name's TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad that you're here with us. And, and just real quick, hey, uh, can we turn off the haze? Like, you're killing me up here. Uh, if you don't notice all the smoke, we're not burning something up here. It's just uh, it's, it's the help lighting effects and different things. But we're so glad that you're here joining us here in this first week of the new year. I'm expecting God to do some incredible things in people's lives. And we're starting off this year with just a three-week series here talking about expecting the unexpected. And I know that that's a little bit of an oxymoron because how can you expect something that's unexpected? How does that work? I don't really know how that works, but I believe that God does it. And so uh, I believe that this year is going to be an absolutely incredible year and that God is going to want to do some, some really incredible things. And, and I believe that, you know, if you want to learn from God's Word, you got to study God's Word. If you want to have uh, more faith in your life, you got to take some steps into some realms that are unknown. If you want to experience life like you've never experienced it, then you've got to do some things differently than you've n- ever done in your life. And if you want to expect the unexpected, man, you've got you've to change some thinking. You've got to change some perspective. You've got to see things a little bit differently. And uh, and I believe that God wants to do some incredible things in people's lives. And, and I think that while Jesus was here on earth, he did some pretty awesome things. Most of us, if you've read through the Bible at all or heard much about Jesus, I mean, everywhere he went, he did miraculous things. He did the extraordinary all throughout his life. Everywhere he went, people were healed. Uh, demons were cast out. Blind were made to see. Deaf were made to hear. Dead were made alive. And I believe that God is not done doing the miraculous in our lives. And in fact, Jesus said something at the very end of his life that I think is very prevalent. I think is very relevant to us and to this year. And he said this in John chapter 14, verses 12 and 13. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me, he's saying, man, anybody who who believes in me, who knows me, who has made me the center of their life, They'll do what I've been doing. Now, last time I checked, most of us, are, most of us probably aren't walking around healing people, casting out demons, uh, raising, anybody raise anybody from the dead this week? Nobody. Okay, I, what's up with that? I mean, Jesus said, he said, we'll do those things. And then he says, we'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And, and I believe that there's something that's really important in there is that this, is that God is not done doing miraculous things in our lives. I believe that God has some incredible experiences ahead for us in this year. And and so many times we set our expectations based on what has happened in the past. And so we've seen things in the past that haven't worked, that hasn't gone the way we thought. And so we expect this year just to be like kind of every other year. Like it's just going to be the same as it was the year before and maybe the year before that and maybe the year before that. But I believe that God is going to be challenging all of us this year to expect the unexpected, to expect something different than we've ever seen, than we've ever experienced, than we've ever had happen in our lives. And I believe that, you know, sometimes God is wanting to do something incredible in our lives, but we lack the faith to step out 
and trust him in those areas. And I believe that God this year wants to do some absolutely incredible things in and through all of us. And so what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we're going to study some of the miracles of Jesus. And today we're going to start off with the, the very first miracle that he ever performed. And so if you want to turn in your Bible to John chapter 2, that's where we're going to be hanging out at today. If you don't have a Bible, you can look in your worship guide. And inside there, all the verses will be along. If you don't have that, you can take out your smartphone. There's a little thing in the top right-hand corner that's a, called a QR code. You can scan that, and everything will come up in an app called Uversion. If not, you can just look up at the screen. We want to make sure that you have every opportunity available to follow along with us. And, and what's interesting is, is this first miracle that Jesus performs is, is at a wedding. And, and I've had the opportunity to probably do about 100 weddings or so in my life, um, and, and weddings are always an interesting day. Um, everybody that's married, they remember their wedding day. If you're a guy, you remember the end of the wedding night. For a lady, like, they remember, like, every single detail of, like, what, like, she fluffed my dress at this point, and I wore the, the thing over here, and there was this veil here, and it was so beautiful, and you probably have your, like, wedding dress embalmed or something, so you can take it out and look at it in the box where it's airtight, and you go, like, someday I'm gonna probably fit in that again, and, and, like, that's your goal for this year. Maybe that's the goal for this year. You're expecting the unexpected, and it's gonna be that wedding dress. I don't really know, but we all have these ideas, because weddings are some interesting things, and, and because I've performed so many, I've seen some really, really interesting stuff. I've seen grooms, like, faint in the middle of a wedding. I don't know what, like, the commitment level was just too much, and, like, they just passed out. I don't really know. I've seen, I've seen them not be able to white, light the unity candle, and that's, like, a really big deal. Like, they're trying to light the unity candle, and it just won't light, and you're like, that's really, really bad luck in a wedding, because that means, like, that ain't working, you know, and then, like, at this one wedding, I actually saw the, the groomsmen, they were preparing stuff, and they cut the wicks off the candles, so the, the moms couldn't even walk down with the candles lit. They had to go, like, buy some cheap, like, candles from Walmart or something to be able to use it. I mean, just crazy things have happened. Alarm clocks going off during the middle of the ceremony, like, who gives this woman, and, like, alarm clock goes off, and they're like, oh, I guess nobody does, you know, and, and so there's all kinds of crazy things that happen on those days, and and weddings are a pretty tense time because expectations at weddings are pretty high, aren't they? Like all of us have some expectations of what we want that to look like, how we want that to feel, what we want that experience to be. And weddings are such a great picture of life because we have high expectations in our life as well. We have some pretty grand ideas of what this life is supposed to look like. And we have some pretty uh, uh, bold expectations of where we're going to end up and what it's going to look like and what it's going to feel like and what it's going to taste like. And we, we dream about the day that it's going to be like that. It's a lot like the new year. People have big expectations. I know lots of people today as they were walking in, they were saying, hey, what's your resolution this year? And people are making resolutions. They have big expectations. I'm going to lose some weight this year. I'm going to get my finances in order. I'm finally going to find somebody that loves me. Or hopefully they do. But I'll take them either way. It doesn't matter, you know. We all have some expectations. And what happens is, is for a lot of people, when those expectations don't come to fruition right away, our hope gets deferred and our expectations and our, our dreams are dashed in those moments. And Jesus' first miracle takes place right in the midst of this, when people's expectations are at the highest. And in John chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. 
Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, that might not seem like a social disaster to you, that like they ran out of wine, but you got to understand like the cultural implications of them running out of wine at a wedding. I mean, this was like a really, really big deal in Jewish culture because it wasn't really about the wedding ceremony. In our day, in our age, we put all the focus on the ceremony and, and the, the party afterwards is kind of secondary. We hope that it's good food, but we don't really care because we want people there for the ceremony. But in, in the cultural aspect of the Jewish community, it wasn't about the ceremony. It was about the party afterwards. It was always about the feast. And so for them to run out of wine would be like you showing up at the party afterwards and not having any food for people. I mean, it would just be like, what happened? What did the caterer do that they didn't show up in that moment? And, and so it would be a total disaster. I mean, they would just be freaking out in that moment because all of their expectations are dashed at that point. In fact, it, it, there's a Jewish saying that says, uh, that, that kind of gives some deeper meaning to this. It says, without wine. There is no joy. And basically what this story is saying is it's saying this wine is symbolic of joy. And now it's all gone. It's all out of place. And I feel like so many people's lives, because we built up these high expectations of what life's going to look like. And we're, and we're going through life. And because our expectations haven't been met, we've kind of just, we've settled back. And what's happened is the joy that we used to have of believing that there was something greater on the other side. Believing that we were going to find that perfect someone. Believing that we were going to someday be debt-free and, and have extra money in the bank, that someday we would have that dream job. Because those things haven't come to fruition, that joy that should be in our life just based on a relationship with Jesus is pushed out because of the experiences that are happening around us. And it hurts a lot of us. And, and, and Jesus' first miracle really is dealing not with a, a physical thing, but it's really dealing with the emptiness of life. Because so many of us are going through there where we have our expectations dashed. And it's not something that's purely external, but it's more internal in people. And so many people today, I believe, are running on empty in life. Their, their joy has been dashed. And I believe that this year, that God wants to exceed our expectations. He wants to go above and beyond what he wants to do. And, and what happens is, is we, we start off this new year with high expectations. And we, we act like we got it all going on on the outside. But on the inside, we're crumbling. Because we're still looking back and saying, man, I'm still disappointed on that. I'm st that still hasn't happened. And we, that still hasn't happened. And this hasn't taken place. And that person hasn't said yes. And, and this job hasn't come to place. And I haven't, I haven't gotten that promotion yet. Or I, I haven't made the grades that I thought I would. And, and, and what happens is, is, man, all this stuff is going on inside of us. And we end up depressed. And we end up lonely. And we end up longing for something more. And it's so normal that in those situations... To not have faith for something greater. I mean, let's be honest. If we are honest with ourselves, when our hopes are dashed, when things haven't gone the way we thought they would, a lot of us don't have really great faith in those moments. I, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, one of my biggest struggles, and I've shared this with you, is the fact that, like, man, we were told, Shayla and I, that we can't have kids. And, and for a while there, we had hope. Like, this is like five or six years ago that we were told that. And we had hope for a year or two. But, like, when it didn't happen, we just kind of set that aside and said, I guess that will never happen. 
Like, we just kind of gave up on that dream and said, oh, man. And so there's not, like, a ton of faith for that to happen in our lives because it didn't happen instantaneously. It didn't happen the way that I thought it was going to happen. And because that thing was empty, man, it just kind of let the joy out of that area. I try to get joy by, by high-fiving your kids and, and dreaming about what it would be like to have kids of my own. But because that hasn't happened and it didn't happen in my time frame and it didn't happen how I thought it would look, it's ended up being this major, major disappointment. And what happens for a lot of us is, is we start focusing on feelings rather than our faith. We start focusing on those, those feelings because of those dash ex- expectations because we start putting our focus on our natural problem that is out there rather than the spiritual solution that God has for our life. In John 2, 3, it says, when the wine was gone. Here is this happy couple, newly married, everything's going good, but all of a sudden there's despair that takes place because there's something superficial that has been lost in their life. Maybe there's something in your life that has been lost over the last couple of years. Maybe there's been a relationship that you dreamed of and you prayed for, and it hasn't come to, to place yet, and it feels lost in this moment. Maybe you've been trying to get your finances in order, and you, you keep working towards that Dave Ramsey plan, and you're, you're doing the death snowball, but it hasn't happened yet, man, and it's just deferred in your life. Maybe it's that career choice that you thought that this last year was going to be the year you were going to get that promotion that you've been putting in for year after year after year year after year, and it didn't happen, and it went to somebody else, and it's deferred in that moment, and all of a sudden, you're looking at the circumstances. You're starting to allow the feelings to rule your life rather than the faith that God has given you, and how many times do we go through these difficult situations, and we lose perspective? We start focusing on the things that are right in front of us instead of the bigger picture of what God wants to do in that moment, and we think the world is falling apart in that moment. And when the world's falling apart, we we say to ourselves, man, where the heck is God? I know that I do. I love what Job says because I I feel like this this is my prayer sometimes. And I'm just just being real and authentic with you guys. He says, I called you, O God, but you never answer. And when I pray, you pay no attention. Anybody else ever have a prayer life like that? Like, like, what's up with that? God, where where are you at? Like, did did you miss the phone call? Like, are, are you still, like, hello, McFly, you know, anything. Like, you're just trying to get some attention, and it feels like de- God is deaf, or he's just not responding, or he's just absent. And we forget in those moments that God works in mysterious ways. And what happens is when God doesn't work on our timing, we take matters into our own hands, don't we? I mean, we, it's just so easy because Jesus and his mom here are guests. We don't really have a clue why they're at the wedding or what kind of place they had at the wedding. But what happens, Jesus' mother says in John 2, 3, Jesus' mother said to him, I don't know why she got involved. I don't know why she made it her problem. But all of a sudden, it became her problem. Because it wasn't happening on their time. It wasn't happening on the right time. She said, you know what, I'm going to take charge. Because that's what mothers do. They just take charge in those moments. And that's exactly what we do. When we don't see God working how we think he should work, like, I'm going to take over in this moment. I'm going to take over. And we get impatient. And we try to play God. And last time I checked, I really suck at playing God. 
Like, normally when I start playing God, I screw things up so much worse than what they ever were before. Like, when I try to fix relationship problems at home on my own without going and seeking God, like, I make our arguments about escalate 20 times higher. Because, like, I'm trying to fix the problem rather than going, God, how would you have me handle this? What do I need to do to humble myself in this situation? What do I need to do to make myself available and submit to my wife rather than trying to take over and, and fix her rather than fixing me? Hello. Every guy knows what I'm talking about right now that's married. It doesn't work. Isaiah 30, 15, it says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness is tr- and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. That's how a lot of us are, man. We're not willing to to stay quiet and to rest and to trust. Instead, we want to have none of it, and we want to take over, and we want to move forward. And it usually doesn't end up very good at all. Another tendency that we have when we're dealing with disappointment is we have a tendency to exaggerate the negative. And it's so, so easy to do this because Mary didn't come to Jesus with hope and expectation she could have said man like here's your chance to do something great instead she rolls up and goes hey listen they don't have any more wine what you gonna do about it like she just came with like some i don't know what she really came with but i believe she came with attitude because like moms when they get mad at least my mom she comes with like that "Mm, you know what i just said boy you know like she just throws down Like, it ain't no business. And I believe she came up and she threw down because she's like, you don't understand what's going on. Like, this party's about to go south. It's about to go down. Unless something happens, you better, you better hurry up. And all of a sudden, she starts to explode and go crazy. This is TJ's version. I don't know if that's really the Bible. But this is my picture, okay. And so, and we do the same thing. I mean, we start getting and we start exaggerating how bad it is. And we say things like, man, if it weren't for bad luck, I would have no luck at all, you know, we say stupid crap like that, come on, you know it's true, and we just, we just think that like, man, it's gloom, and it's despair, and like, agony, and oh me, oh my, and we just go into this bad place, we turn difficult things into like the worst case scenario in the world, and we turn these molehills into mountains that seem insurmountable, and, and we're not the first people to do this. I mean, David did this. I, I mean, this dude was dramatic. Look at what he says in Psalms 116.3. He said, the cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by tr- trouble and sorrow. Like that dude used more adjectives in his one sentence than any person should ever use. And Jeremiah was no different. I mean, who was a prophet? He said, why was I born? Was it only to have trouble and sorrow to end my life in disgrace? I mean, that dude was having like the worst hair day in the world, ladies. And like, you know, we just, we get to this place where we just exaggerate the negative. And we got to be so, so, so careful in those situations. And what happens is when we go to prayer to God, we spend more time telling God about our problems than telling our problems about how big our God is. And we start focusing on the wrong thing, and we start exaggerating the wrong thing. And, and we've all faced problems in life. We've all faced difficulties, and we're all going to face difficulties in this year. But I believe that God has got something bigger, and he's got something better for us. And if we'll, if we'll step back from exaggerating the negative, and we won't go out there, and we won't trust those feelings, and we'll rely on our faith, if we won't go out there and allow ourselves to take matters in our own hands, I believe that God wants to do something absolutely incredible in, inside of us and through us. 
And sometimes all it takes is us looking and recognizing what Jesus is trying to do in the midst of our situation, what God wants to do in the midst of our situation. And if we take a look at what God's word says through the rest of the story, I believe that God's going to reveal some things to us that are pretty easy and pretty simple in theory, but a little bit more difficult to walk out in real life. And so let's take a look at four things that I believe that if we'll walk through, we will see the unexpected happen in our lives. And the first thing is this, is we got to do what Jesus says to do. we got to do what Jesus says to do. Remember, Mary remembers who, who Jesus is, and all of a sudden she's like, man, this dude works in strange ways. And this is what she says to the servants in, in John chapter 2, verse 5. It says, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. She said, do whatever he tells you. Now, why in the world would she say that? Like, why would she say that to them? Like, like this situation, she's freaking out, and then all of a sudden she comes to her senses and she goes, like, listen, do whatever he tells you to do. Because Mary had been along, around Jesus long enough to realize that this dude did some pretty incredible things growing up. Like, there was always some miraculous thing that was taking place around his life. And, and basically, she, she knew that, I don't know how he's going to do it, I don't know what he's going to do, but that dude is going to do something in this situation. He's going to show up in some way. And our problem is, is we don't need to overanalyze it, we don't need to over-theologicalize it. If that's even a word, we just made that up. Okay, we don't need to like get too caught up in all the details. We don't need to do any of that because we got to remember that Isaiah tells us the plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are high and the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. Like God's ways and his thoughts and his ideas and his concepts are so beyond our realm of understanding. But yet we want to understand everything. Like one of my favorite stories is the story of, of, the, of the guys that are um, blind and sick and they, they come to Jesus and, and Jesus spits in the mud, like mixes up a concoction of sand and spit and puts it in a dude's eyes and he's healed. Like why in the world would Jesus decide like let's spit and then make mud and rub it in somebody's eyes to heal them? Like that would make me blind. Like, honestly, like let's, uh, like, let's open up your eyes. We'll just, I'll spit. We'll get some dirt, and we'll just rub it in your eyes. We'll see. All of you guys that wear glasses, me included, like, we'll just see if it works, right? Like, you'd be like, you are cray-cray, bro. You are on something, and it is not good. Like, we need to check what's up. Like, why in the world would Jesus do it? I don't know. I don't really care. I just care that it works. And sometimes our problem is, is that we think we got to understand every single aspect of how it's going to work. And so God tells us to do something, and we go, why? Why? Why shouldn't? Tell me how that's going to work. Tell me what, what's going to take place step after step after step. When you give me every single step, then I will do something. I figured he'd get a little quiet right there because I, I, like I like to answer that question. I like, God, why? Like, all the time. We think that we have to have it all figured out and know everything. But here's the deal. God's not looking for you to understand him. God's looking for you to obey him. 
but we want to the other I want to understand God and then I'll obey. God just wants us to obey and then we'll understand. And so the first thing that we have to do is, is we have to do what Jesus said. And then we got to focus on what God wants to do in your life. Because it's, it's as much about you as it is about anything else. In verse 6 it says, Nearby stood, stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. See, and I love what Jesus does here because Jesus takes the opportunity to solve a problem and teach a truth at the same time. And, and, and I, it's what I like to call like a twofer in scripture. Like he's giving you a, a, a double punch right here of some good, good stuff. Because what was happening is, is he saw that there were these, these things that were used for ceremonies that were for religious aspects. And he says, you know what, I'm going to go and take some dead religion and I'm going to turn it into something that's going to be life-giving and life-altering and life-changing. And it's, it's going to be something that everybody looks at as for external, external circumstances, but I'm going to turn it into something that's internal for your life because I'm trying to give you some new wine. I'm trying to do some new things in your life. And those old ways of working, that old way where you would have to go clean yourself yourself in order to get right before God, like I'm changing all of that game right here. Like I'm going to do something different. So not only are, am I going to turn this into wine, but I'm going to use this to make a declaration that, man, I want to do something new inside of you as well. Like your old ways of thinking, that old stinking thinking is going to change from this moment on. Because I didn't just come here to meet a physical need. I came here to change your spiritual life. Because if I can change your spiritual life, if I can change what's going on on the inside, then the outside is naturally going to change because of that. But, if, but what we want to do is we want to get the outside all looking good before we work on the inside. And Jesus is concerned with our heart. That's what he cares about. He's not trying to modify our behavior. He's trying to change and challenge our heart. And so many of us, the reason why our miracles are delayed in life is because God is not worrying about the external. He's trying to change our internal. He's more concerned with our character. And we're more concerned with our comfort. And which one do you think is going to win out? Because God is trying to change us on the inside. And so he's constantly forming and renewing and restoring those things. That's why 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says this. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. A lot of us have had, had some grief and some trials. We've had some, some hard times. It says, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He's saying, listen. Sometimes your miracle is going to take a long time. It's going, to, it's going to be some grief in there. There's going to be some struggle in there. But where there is no struggle, there is no strength. Like when, when I periodically go to gym once or twice a year and I get on the bench and like, like I come down with like the bar and I'm like struggling, like my arms are shaking, bringing it back up. Like if I don't do that, I'm never going to be able to put fives on there afterwards. Maybe next year I'll, I'll elevate that to tens on each side. I don't know, but, like, we got to have that. But what happens is we, we go to God and we say, God, why are you taking so long? And what we need to start doing is we not, need to stop going to God and saying, why are you taking so long? We need to go to God and say, what are you trying to do inside of me that I'm missing? What are you trying to teach me that I'm not comprehending? What are you trying to do inside of me that I have yet to recognize and change in my life. When we start to do that, all of a sudden, our perspective, 
Our vision will change in those moments. And then we'll start to do the third thing, which is we'll start to believe the unbelievable. Because he turned the water into wine, and then in verses 8 and 9, he says this. Then he told them, draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. Though the servants had drawn the water, knew. Let me just say it, man. We serve a God who does the miraculous. He does the unbelievable. He takes the dashed hopes, the dashed expectations, and does something that is absolutely unexpected. And the thing about the unexpected and the miraculous is it wouldn't be miraculous or unexpected if it didn't boggle your mind. It would not be that. And our problem is, is so many times we limit God on the size of our thinking. And God's thinking is so much bigger and it's so much grander and it's so much greater because no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Not one person can comprehend what God has in store for us. And I believe that God has got some incredible things in store for you and I. And when we, we, we believe that and we see that, then we'll fourthly, we'll expect the best in life. We'll expect the best. And I love the verse that follows up with that in verse 10. It says, everyone brings out the choice wine. This is the, the master speaking here. And he says, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. I love about this story is that normally they, when people are first drinking, they want to give them the, the good stuff so that way that they would, as they drink longer and longer and longer in the wedding, they'll not notice when they bring out the cheap, like $2 Boone's Farm uh, wine coolers for other people to start drinking because they'll, they'll miss the point. And Jesus goes like, listen, I'm going to turn this whole joker upside down and like I'm not going to bring, the best wasn't the first, the best is what's coming last. The best is what's coming at the end when you're least expecting it in life. And let me just tell you something. Some of you guys are coming in this year not expecting much. And I believe that God is going to do something greater. That God is going to do something bigger. That he's going to transform your relationships this year. That God is going to do something supernatural in your finances. That you're going to start to see income come from places that you've never seen it before. You're going to get new ideas. God's going to give you new concepts to use in your workplace. I believe that for some of you, man, you're going to see opportunities arise that have never risen in your life before because you're not going to go into this year expecting what you've gotten in the past, but you're going to go in this year expecting God to do something great and God's going to exceed that. And it's time for us not to just settle for what we have, but believe that our God is for us and that our God is with us and He wants something great in our lives and He's got a purpose and He's got a plan. If we'll just trust what He says. And we'll be obedient, not just trusting it, but stepping out in faith and saying, God, I know you've got something better for me this year. I know you've got something greater for me. And I believe that this year for us as a church is going to be absolutely redonkulous. That's better than ridiculous. It's redonkulous. It's going to be awesome. And I'm not just expecting for hundreds of people to get saved this year. I'm expecting thousands of people to get saved. Man, people think we're smoking crack, starting another campus. I don't care because I'm expecting the best from my God. Because my God loves people, and people are dying and going to hell. And so we're going to go reach people that are dying and going to hell so they can be snatched from those gates and go to heaven because God's got the best for them too. And it's time for us to stop shrinking back, but let's step up and step into what God has for us this year. 
I love what Ephesians 3.20 says. And I think it's, it's something that I pray every time I do an offering talk. But I often think it's the motto for our church this year. And it says, now to him, talking about God, who is able to do it immeasurably more. Like, what he's able to do is basically saying, like, you can measure all you want. You can't measure how great the thing is that God is trying to do in your life. He's doing more than all we can ask or imagine. Man, i got a pretty big imagination. Any of you guys got a pretty big imagination for your life? You got some pretty big dreams for your life? Let's expect the unexpected. Let's see God do above and beyond what we could ever think or imagine. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that you are greater, that you are bigger, that you are stronger. God, that you've got a purpose and that you've got a plan for every single man, woman, and child. Not just in this church, but in this world. And I don't think any of us got up and just said, you know what, I want to live an ordinary, normal life one day. I don't think that any of us, deep down within us, really would be content with that. It's why we're still striving for so many things. But God, you've got something that's going to exceed the best that we have. And this year, God, we put an expectation on you. We put a, a, a desire to see you move and to transform and to work in greater manner than you ever have before. And whatever our expectation is, God, I know that you're going to exceed it. Because that's who you are. Like, you're never just good enough. You're always more than enough. And so this year, I pray this over every single person in this place. God, I pray that we would be the head and not the tail. God, that we would be above and not beneath. God, that you would move and shape and transform our lives to look more and more like the plan that you formed from us when we were in our mother's wombs. And I pray that this year would exceed any ideas, any capacities, any comprehension of what we have. And God, that we would step out and that we would have the faith to trust and do what you tell us to do. And God, that we would not shrink back, that we would not step back, but God, we would step up into what you have for our lives this year. God, thank you for doing something so unbelievable and so miraculous in our life this year. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.